How is everybody doing? Welcome to another installment of This Week in Liberpods. I am your host, Nikki P, here with another five shots of Libertarian Podcast Gold. If you're new, we're here to help introduce you to your next favorite podcast. So, why don't you have a seat, give a listen, and in under a half an hour, we're going to cover five podcasts showing you the best that the world of Liberpods has to offer. Our first clip this week is from the Liberty Big League podcast, hosted by Patrick McFarlane. Enjoy as he name drops luminaries in the libertarian sphere as well as talks about aliens. Let's see what he's getting into. The other that I had regarded aliens, um, <laughs> uh, so Tim Poole had a YouTube video today talking about how in 2019 there's been a record number of credible UFO sightings and speculation about whether or not extraterrestrials will reveal themselves to the world. And I thought it was funny because I've I've mentioned aliens on the podcast in the past, this podcast, the B-Side podcast, and I was talking about, um, I don't know if it was Bob Lazar or someone who Joe Rogan had on the show. And I really want Richard Dolan because Richard Dolan is my favorite UFO guy. I really want Richard Dolan to go on Joe Rogan. And I don't know if he's gone on Joe Rogan before, but I suspect that Richard Dolan is a libertarian-ish type because he's done a lot of work on how corrupt the alphabet soup agencies are. And he's done a lot of parallel podcasts and YouTube series and presentations about how um, about false flags and how prevalent they are in society and how dangerous they are. So I would suspect he might be red-pilled on 9-11 or some other issues. So I think he's, he's a fellow traveler in a certain way. But James Corbett, on the other hand, and I think James Corbett and Richard Dolan, I, I would like to see James Corbett record or a show with Richard Dolan and about false flags. I think that'd be super interesting. Or for Corbett to talk to Richard Dolan about how Corbett thinks that the UFO question is a psyop, essentially, and how the way that Corbett hypothesizes it, and I think I mentioned this on the other episode of this show, is that the UFO, there's no such thing as UFOs, or at least not in the way that we, you know, in popular culture have related to them or portrayed them, but that rather UFOs are a psyop by the government to that really all the UFO sightings are just secret black ops technology uh, that the government has, but moreover that there will be a unifying event, as Paul Krugman explains in the alien invasion being a boon to the economy, but there will be a unifying event when the day of reckoning comes, when all of the financial systems collapse because it's all based on House of Cards, and when everything goes to shit, all of a sudden it will be, oh, you know, the aliens are here either to save us under a one-world government or the aliens are here, everything needs to be different now, like the world has changed, we need to evolve into being one people united under a single government, or the aliens are here and they're attacking us and invading, so we need to band together under one unified government to fight them, or something like that. So I just thought it was an interesting, funny little thought that I had about how, you know, Tim Pool 
is talking about aliens and everyone's talking about aliens this year and how alien sightings are going up and Tom DeLong is on Joe Rogan talking about To the Stars Academy and Bob Lazar is on talking about uh, his crazy I don't even know if I don't know if I believe Bob Lazar but and there's that other guy who's really weird this Bob Lazar I think is more credible than this other really weird guy who's a doctor and I, I can't remember his name right now, but he, his claims are just so outrageous that they're, they're pretty unbelievable. And it, he's always referring to these documents that he has and how he's prepped certain alphabet soup agency people about the alien question. But in reality, he's nobody except this ER doctor from somewhere. And I just can't remember his name. So, if you're not aware, Patrick is also the host of the wonderful Liberty Weekly podcast. Which has been on hiatus, but I believe he's bringing that back as well. Good stuff either way. Uh, Liberty Bigly is more of his, uh, let's say, freeform personal show. So, anyways, moving on from there, we're going to find ourselves getting into the Vanu podcast with Shane Radliff, the mastermind behind the Liberty Under Attack publications. This week's episode finds Shane getting down and dirty and into the weeds with a member of the cypherpunk community. Maybe it means something to you. To me, it's mostly just nonsense. But hey, doesn't have to mean anything to me. Let's see what they've got. Uh, the, the last question I have for you um, is from Coinsure, and there's uh, um, it was a, it was a couple of few tweets. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll read it. I'll read it in its entirety here. Um, so he says, uh, being a privacy extremist to the extent you practice is somewhere between log- uh, logistically extremely inconvenient and impossible for most of the population, especially as more infrastructure and semi-infrastructure, such as the phone app you use to communicate with your mother, become, uh, become reliant on biometrics or KYC. How would you or others articulate the gray area between complete ignorance and perfect OPSEC? And what are some overarching principles to help gradually navigate from an interested noob to someone taking meaningful action that benefits themselves and others? I guess I can, I can, I can, break, yeah, break, I can all, break up that question, break it up into individual questions here for you. So his first one was, um, how would you or others articulate the gray area between complete ignorance and perfect OPSEC? So the, I guess the, the fine line between privacy and, and also um, yeah, complete ignorance. Well, I think there are like a few general principles uh, you can apply there. And one of them is, we already touched on it, is like compartmentalization. And uh, like what I mentioned, you can create different NIMS and uh, have separate computers for them. And um, that also kind of translates into the, the physical space. Uh, he's totally right that it's uh, becoming more and more, it's becoming harder and harder to maintain privacy. And that also means it becomes very expensive not just in terms of money, but also in terms of time, which kind of translates to money but it may, because it makes you more inefficient. And uh, one way to deal with that is that you kind of have to choose in what areas you want to maintain high privacy and in what areas you don't want to maintain that because it's too costly. For example, when you're calling your mom um, or your grandmother, you're probably not going to talk about anything very sensitive so it's not necessarily um, necessary that you have this extreme privacy stand stance when you call her. Um, and in other areas, it's a different situation. So I think that is something to keep in mind. And uh, to get started, um, I think it already helps a lot when you, when you kind of go through the world with that mindset of, what you know? Okay, what data is collected here? How could this can this be tied to to you? 
um, usually a lot of a lot of data collection is, is tied to uh, identifiers. For example, yeah, phone numbers, email addresses, uh, of course your your legal name, and just you know kind of start with that open mind. Okay, how is the data collected, and how could I get around could I get around this and get in the habit of use the low hanging fruit. You know, for example, pay with. I mean, it's so obvious, but pay with cash instead of credit card when you can, every time you can. Get used to that, you know, things like, okay, you uh, public transport tickets, go for the, the one that is anonymous, don't go for the one that ties your name to it, um, stuff. But it kind of it kind of actually brings it back to, to Squid a little bit, which is uh, part of our vision for Squid is not just to, to have um, human-to-human payments, but I think what we need in the future a lot is human-to-machine payments. And we can see that already that this area is is very um, problematic in, in, from a privacy perspective. Because a lot of these services you simply cannot use without giving them all your data. You know, for example, let's say Uber. You, it's, it's, ve- it's very, very hard to use Uber without giving a personal information. And one of the reasons is that the payment system is not anonymous. Once you have an anonymous payment system, you could um, use it anonymously. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, I guess there, there are a couple things that came I reiterate, I have absolutely no idea what they were talking about. What's some techie, smart people stuff? Just a guy who listens to music and podcasts about the later stuff. Anyways, uh, if that resonates with you, be sure to go and check out the Vanu podcast. Coming up next, we have the Veterans for Voluntarism podcast. This week's episode is an interview with the ever-so-lovely Monica Perez. Let's dig in. 100%. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, Only one reason why I don't think this is Deep State coup, and I listen to Dave Smith quite a bit too, um, and he makes valid points, but the only reason I don't think this is like a Deep State coup with the intelligence agencies is because... I mean, they killed Kennedy pretty early on, you know, and his presidency. Reagan. Yeah. His, that assassination attempt was within months, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Months. And, uh, you know, and that was you, you threaten taking a budget away from some of the most violent people in the world. And that's what happens. You right. know, so, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you 100. I think this is 100 percent a distraction from some other things that are extremely more important in the world right now. And I also think I would never think it was a deep state coup. Because I think absolutely positively anyone with any kind of juice like that wants him reelected because he has a couple of jobs to do. Yeah, I had predicted I thought Hillary was going to win, but I predicted that this president was going to be the censorship president. Obama was the surveillance state president. He implemented that. This is the censorship president. But Trump has a war to start and he has an economic crash to take responsibility for. Yes. And they... They could crash it now. They could start the war now, but they don't even have a year to start a massive war that that you a Democrat would have to say, I just couldn't. I, it was too late. I mean, he needs four years for it. It's too late. Fight if you're in the I didn't like the war, but if you're in the war, you got to fight the war, you know, like that. Yeah. It's going to take some time. And I think they really have to crash, crash. I think they will crash the economy and they want to make him take responsibility for it. So I think the deep state wants him in there unless the deep state is different from like another there are two factions at the top, but I don't really think so. I don't know. Yeah, it's like I, mean, I get to the point, like with China, like I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I mean, there there have been really big economists that have been predicting a pretty 
catastrophic economic collapse that's going to be happening relatively soon. Peter Schiff, I think. Yeah, I know him. Um, I mean, I don't know he him. Was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, you know him? Like, no, no, I mean, yeah. I know who he is. Yeah, and he got famous through the, the Occupy Wall yes. Street guys. Like, I'm the 1%, ask me anything or whatever. Yes, and, I remember that. And then yeah, he said, he was, what's a meme? Yeah. <laughs> if you go back and watch that video, the guy asks him a question and, he, and Peter Schiff says, what's a meme? This is funny because it's a little anachronistic yeah. these days. Yeah, but he, yeah, he was he, Dr. He, Doom. He predicted the yeah. real estate crash. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And was accurate with that. And he's predicting, I think it was a year or two ago, he's predicting one to happen in the next three or four. This so. is what, what I thought of. I don't remember what prompted me to go down this path, but something did. And I, I looked at, I'm kind of a numbers person. I was an investment banker and I, uh-huh. I'm good with like, you know, charts and stuff. So I looked at, Interest rates were so low and I thought, can they keep, I forget, there was something really interesting that prompted me. It must've been a Fed statement or something. They maybe look into it, but anyway, so I was looking at, here's this expansion that's been going on for like 11 years now, something like that. That's a long time for an expansion. So you kind of expect a crash, I think is how the paradigm has been working for like a hundred years or whatever. Yeah. So, so during the crashes, the, the way this system works, the way it's supposed to work, I don't like it, but this is how they, it's supposed to work. They lower interest rates to soften the blow of that big crash. And the average amount, I looked over the past, whatever it was, five of, of the crashes, the average amount, some is much, much more and some is a little bit less, but it's usually at least 5%, five percentage points. So the, the interest rates at seven, it goes down to two. It's at 13, it goes down to whatever, six. Hmm. The interest rates at two right now, <laughs> you know? So yeah. I'm like, I can't. And then, uh, so if it's at two and it's an 11 year, you know, it's a, a really old expansion, it's probably going to correct. And it would, ha- if it corrects like any other one, it's, I assume they would want to remedy it like any other one, which would take like a good five points to cushion that blow. And then when, so that people can borrow more and keep spending, even though they don't have a lot of money. Uh-huh. So, so once it gets to where they can't lower the interest rate anymore and you can't borrow anything to spend money and you lose your job then other people will lose their jobs. See what I mean? Like used to be you'd yeah. lose your job, but they give you, you could refinance your house and your wife still has a job, but you can't refinance your house because it's only 2%. So it's not going to do it. Yeah. So then, so then half the people who could use debt, cheap debt to kind of soften the blow. This is just one little example to kind of get your mind around it. They can't do anything. And then more people will lose their jobs because that will be a deeper cut to consumption. Because this is all like Keynesian is all about consumption. Like our system is all about consumption and debt. And I just don't think they can expand debt to fix that. And And there we have Monica, the guest on the Veterans for Voluntarism podcast, getting down and dirty, talking about some Austrian econ. Well, don't take off your smart person cap quite yet because our next clip is from the Engineering Tech Show, where they take a look at technology and doodads here in the modern world from an anarchist perspective. So how about I don't stand between you and our next clip? So that everybody follows, I think we're talking too many technical things. You have a city, private city, be it an on land or an, or in an island or in a big, fat, biggest boat you can ever build, right? Uh, a, a floating city on the water in the international waters, right? You can produce your own electricity by natural gas, diesel, vegetable oil, right? Methane, things like that. And you can generate free heat from that. And if you play your cards right, you can even have free cooling. 
with uh, I'm just thinking that you know, if you do have a giant floating city, yeah, it maybe it probably is not as easy as this. But if you have like a little mini refinery, you can just cruise around to the oil rigs and almost have like a drive-through oil. That's right. You know how like the sometimes the the delivery is available even in in, uh, in the ocean. Yeah. Ever seen a, an, an aircraft flying and there's a few like a refueling jet comes up or a big you know aircraft comes up and then it refuels in the air. Yeah. That happens on the water too. So deliveries are not. That's not a. That's not that's out of the. Not, yeah. yeah. That's not a. Or you can just have you know if you're gonna build a big city like that you can have a big boat yes. that just goes into town and picks up your oil right. Make sure you don't have. Iranian flag on it because the U.S. government will just seize your ship and yeah, unbelievable man. I mean, there's a theft and then there's like a mega theft, right? Yeah. I mean, talk about bullies. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get I'll get in trouble for saying these things. Um. So so all right. So then there's like a lot of people who are gonna say, well, these are all great, but then batteries. I like batteries because there there are these. Uh, uh, I got way too excited on this batteries. You love batteries. Um, yeah, no. Um, you know why people love them, Joe? I, I don't, honestly. I tell you exactly why. People are sold into buying batteries because I think there is a lot of incentives. There is like a lot of welfare that you can collect to pay for those batteries. A lot Subsidies. of solar subsidized. Yeah. Either you get your incentive from the utility, take that from the federal government, state governments now. Even the utilities, where do the utilities get it from? They don't get it from their own pocket. No, no. You see? Like you said, you, yeah. know, you pay them a month and there's a little rebate column too. So you're paying them to give someone solar. But fuel cells are very, very fascinating technology. There is still use of fossil fuel. You can't just get electricity without fossil fuel. But in general, though, they have this chemical process that really creates electricity. You have electrolytes, and then you've got, you know, it's sandwiched between the two plates, and hydrogen is pumped from one direction, and the oxygen is from the other, and all something happens, and magic. Such a magic inside a box. <laughs> it gives you electricity and heat. That's, that's so terrible of me to like, just put it out like that. <laughs> Let me see. I, I, I can explain. Hold on. Well, first of all, they're also very diverse, right? So, like, the the, the ranges that they can come in um, is from 5kW to, like, 2800kW. And then, obviously, like like everything else, you can put them multiple ones together, parallel, right? And have a lot more uh, uh, available power, right? So, what was I going to look at? I forgot. Yeah. Yeah, so like I like I described, so there's a there is a plate on top it's called anode and then the cathode is at the bottom and then the electrolyte plates in the middle and then again hydrogen and oxygen is pushed through it and whatever is in that electrolyte plate, that's the secret, right? Um, you create electricity. Uh, but apparently there is still they still produce because of the chemical reaction, they still reject a lot of heat and you can capture that. Uh, this it is produces hydrogen gas so you can yes. burn it up and you get your high temp exhaust. Yeah, and it was uh, what is it, six hundred degrees or something? Yeah, I forget. I know it's in this paper. Well, I should have read paper. before. I should have read these before I started. Highlight a little bit. Yeah. I know it's hot enough for making steam, so you can definitely make hot water as well. That's true for all the, the other processes. technologies we've talked so far too. Yeah. Both the micro turbines and the reciprocating engines. Um. But here's why you would you wouldn't want them. The bloody installation cost. How much is it? We talked so it was twenty five hundred for the 
uh, for the no for the reciprocating engine. I think the turbines was more expensive. Turbines were twenty five. I think yours was a little less. Twenty three fifty. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and this is uh, ten thousand. Yeah. For a three hundred uh, kW unit. Damn Four times as much almost. Oh, yeah, and then you ready for the O&M cost? Mm. It's four point five instead of one point nine. That was the that that was the uh, reciprocating yeah. engine, and then what was it? One point two. Unbuilt four point five. Yeah. Why would you want this thing? You, and you know why this is it is so expensive? For there may be one or two stuff. companies that do it. Yeah. You remember? The, All right, that was the engineering tech show. Like I said, I'm not entirely sure most of what they were talking about, but it seems like they know what they're going on about. Our last podcast this week is from the Unframe of Mind show. These gentlemen pride themselves in unprotected conversations. Conversations out on the edge. Conversations that might make you itch a little bit afterwards. However, this week's episode does something special. It might actually make you feel as they dig down and dirty into a very sad story. We're going to catch it in the middle, but I can tell you, it's good the whole way through. Let's dive in. All right, so, so basically, basically, what, yeah, what I'm, what I'm trying to aim toward is, not, not, I don't know if it's aimed toward, but I'm trying to get a better, a better picture of what, okay, there's always signs. There's always signs of, of this kind of manipulative behavior. This is looking like a, contr- a construction site right here. Yeah. <laughs> if you're talking about signs. <laughs> yeah. In the, in the beginning of a relationship, you're going to see a lot of signs, uh, or, or like when you first Stop, meet somebody. Bitch. Go back, bitch. You turn. Right. If you, if you know, like red flags, you know, you hear about all the time, but people always seem to notice them in hindsight that like they're, they're totally, you know, uh, for men, it's like cock blindness. They, they don't, they just see yeah. it. They just yeah. see a hot girl. You know, I, I've been there. I'm sure Anthony's been there too. All the time. You, know, you just, you, 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 everybody around you can see the toxicity in this potential relationship, but all you see is a nice set of tits or a nice ass, and you just want it. You know, as you can't nobody tell you no different. Um, oh, it, broke, it broke my family's heart that I never had kids and I didn't do all that. My mom was all about me having kids, so and my sister. Yeah. So it broke their hearts that I didn't do that, and of course that makes weight come on me and feel like failure is there. So well, yeah, it's frankly, not just him. Quite it, frankly, it, I could give a shit whether it broke your mom's heart or not. I, you know, somebody that's going to stay in a relationship and and and, and expose you to a, a sexual abuser, a, pedof- a pedophile. I could give a shit if you broke her heart or not. This is not about her. This is about you. Okay. It's so funny because I watched um, the interview. Anthony showed me the interview you did with him, and it's like we defend him even though. They put us through some tough shit. We were going to defend them until the end because, and I went to counseling and I got a little insight on it. We have abandonment issues. So friends, it's not just relationships, friends, everything. We're going to latch on and hold on through whatever you do, just because we don't like the thought of not having you. Whatever you do to me, I don't care as long as you're here. Would you say you still love your mom? Absolutely. We're very close. I, I mean, and my dad, even, he's come back in the picture maybe a year ago, two years ago. He's come back in the picture and has tried to build a relationship with me and has done a good job of it. But it doesn't mean that that gets erased and I'm not thinking about what has happened or, you know, It almost seems like forgiveness only runs so far. What, you know? what yeah. has, yeah. I just yeah. want to stay focused on your mom for a minute here, but what, what, what has she done? Okay. What has she done, if anything, to provide you any kind of comfort, ease, restitution, about okay i'm gonna be very honest she is the type of person you know the one-uppers when you say i went through this and i gotta one-up you yeah yeah you went up you went through that but i went through this and this 
she does that to me. Anytime we talk about the sexual abuse or anything like that, it's, well, my mom, you know, did worse. You know, as, she left as if to say, da, 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 da. so there's never, she says she's sorry, but it's, I don't know. It's, it doesn't feel like that. It's, it's almost like I got to say, I'm sorry. And then, but I went through this. Basically, almost almost as if to say, uh, you know, whatever you're going through, whatever you've been through, I've been through worse, so your shit doesn't matter. Like, it, it wasn't that bad. Like, Or almost like, and it's because the way she was raised. That's what's so funny about relationships, friends, family, whatever. It's a generational thing. You know, her parents were the type that you wipe your tears or I'll give you something to cry about. So whenever I come at her that way, she's got a little bit of sympathy because she knows how it feels. But at the same time, she's like, it's life. It's tough. It's shit. That's just Move how along. it is. Like Almost to justify it somehow. Yeah. Move along. Yeah. You can cry all day, but where is it going to get you? Move along. Wow. It's, it's, it is interesting that this kind of cycle keeps perpetuating. And it's it, it makes me it makes me wonder if you're so terrified of uh, repeating that cycle that that's part of what played into you not having children. Or not even wanting to, to have the opportunity to expose them to something like that. Maybe to break that cycle. I was and, too scared. And, I was too scared. I don't want them to go through that. Yeah. I don't want to be that person that lets them experience that. Or but it sucks that it's hindered that. your ability to enjoy life and to create life. You know. Yeah. Do do you would yep. you, do you is it fair to say that you don't trust yourself to be able to choose somebody that you would feel comfortable having children with right now? Right now, no. Right I'm now. not ready for anything right now. No, 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 no. Yeah, I need I need to get myself back and figure myself out before I worry about anything as far as that goes, relationship wise goes. Yeah, like like I was saying before, there's there's certain patterns that do occur. There's certain uh, red flags that you can notice in the beginning of a relationship when you're trying to choose somebody. And and as as I said, you may not be able to see them yourself, but the people around you can. Mm-hmm. My where, sister and where, my mom where are the were biggest those? ones in my life that were like, "What are you doing? Are you happy? But why, are you really why would happy you, though? That makes that does make sense that you wouldn't take your mom's advice. Like, no, why I'm would like, you, you like? Why would you take <laughs> yeah, your mom's? You know what it is. Yeah. So why would you why take am your? Oh, that train exactly. Right through, yeah. So basically, yeah. I would hear that and go, "Oh, so do the exact opposite of that. I'm and maybe the I'll, opposite. I'm like, I'm going to stick through it. Exactly. I'm going to do whatever I got to do. I'm make But I think what you're trying to get at is, is where was the support group from her friends? Where Where was your support group? I didn't have any. And, and that's, I'm serious, y'all. That's I a huge, huge deal. Sometimes they just sneak in and they make you feel some sort of way. That was, once again, the Unframe of Mind podcast. You can check out all of today's podcasts and links to them in the show notes. If you want to learn more or hear all of our previous episodes, stop by liberpods.com. Uh, if you have a podcast you think I need to know about, you want to help get to the broader audience, or you yourself are a podcaster and the libertarian sphere and you want to shoot it out to everybody let me know i'm always looking for new stuff always trying to see what's out there and try and make this little world of ours even a little bit smaller and i mean that in the sense of you know our neighbors are closer perhaps you know uncomfortably close not quite in the shower with us but maybe on the other side of the shower like on the curtain you're having an uncomfortable conversation is there utilizing the facilities. I'm not entirely sure where I'm going with this, but once again, stop by liberpods.com, get yourself involved, have a listen to other podcasts, and why don't you go out there and have yourself a great day. Oh, boy, I almost forgot. Go check out and vote for some of your favorite podcasts at the Liberty Podcast Ranker. 
I'm not telling you that you should definitely go and vote up This Week in Liberpods or Sounds Like Liberty or Free Market Screen Earth because I do those things. But hey, you know, if you feel the need, which you should, go do that. Anyways, have a good week. <laughs>